I got to I, I got the privilege of worshiping with my daughter Ashley over in Ohio this last this last um, Sunday. Uh, we got to the boys and I got to be over there with her, and um, and there were no hallelujahs, no amens there, and uh, I wanted to be one of the ones who did that. My daughter, I think, would have been she'd have died of embarrassment if I had. But anyway, uh, but. But in any case, if you feel the need as you are rejoicing this morning in the resurrection of Jesus to say amen or hallelujah, it will not offend me in the slightest. In fact, I'll be grateful for it. All right. So just so we're clear. Uh, and we are here to celebrate. We are here to celebrate the resurrection of God's son, the resurrection of Jesus Christ who was and is and will eternally be the Messiah who put death to death and who is coming again. And we're excited about that, and we are here to celebrate that here this morning. And so uh, I do not want to uh, get too delayed by way of introduction. And so what I want to do instead is just dive into the Scripture uh, which is Matthew chapter 28. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, we would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you came this morning and you didn't ha didn't ha don't have a Bible, don't own one, uh, we would love to give you one. And so um, we'd be happy to uh, connect you with that. There's actually some in the back there, both kids' versions and uh, adult versions. Um, we'd love to, to give you a Bible if you want one. Uh, but if you'd please stand with me as I read this text, Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been repeated among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, 
and with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, uh, this is a day with much to celebrate that, that once a year we draw our attention to the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. Father, that is an event which has happened a long time ago, but which gives us reason to celebrate and to live our lives fearlessly every day of the year knowing that because Jesus is alive, so too we will live, and that our sins are forgiven, that death is dead, and love has won, and Christ is conquered. And Father, we not only sing these words with joy, we also uh, seek as your followers, as your children, to live them out, to live in light of the fact that Jesus has died for sin and rose from the grave to give us new life. And Father, we want to live out the new life as, as we worship you this morning and as we go forth from here later. We pray you would help us to do that, Father, by your Holy Spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love this chapter. I think, I think in my 14 years, roughly, of, uh, of ministry here at Chillicothe Bible Church, I've preached either all of this chapter or a portion of it at least five times. I'd have to go through and actually look at my calendar and, and, and go and look at, at it and to verify that. But it's been at least five, maybe more. Because I love this chapter. It has such great stuff in it for us. And one of the things that, uh, that it shows us is that we do not need to be afraid. That we as followers of Jesus, have no reason to be afraid of anything anymore. And if you look at the text here, um, just to, by way of backing up to what has happened up to this chapter, know that Jesus was crucified on Passover Friday. That uh, he was hung on the cross at about nine in the morning. Uh, at the time of the morning sacrifice at the temple, and that his death occurred at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the time of the evening sacrifice. And so for those six hours, he hung on the cross, suffering and suffocating and bleeding and dying. And in that time, he promised life to one of the thieves who believed in him, and no life came to the other that there was an earthquake, that there was darkness, uh, that even a professional killer, the Roman centurion who stood guard over, uh, over Jesus while he was being executed, the, the man appointed to oversee his execution acknowledged, surely this man was the Son of God. But the next day, no one went to the tomb. And I'll tell you why. It's because... Since it was Passover, and in addition to that, the Sabbath, which began at sundown, Jesus would have been buried between 3 p.m. and sundown on that Friday. And because it was a holy day, the Sabbath would continue from Friday night all the way until sundown on Saturday. And then it would be dark, and no one could go to the tomb. After all, who wants to go to a cemetery in the dark? No one, right? That's creepy. 
And, uh, and so you don't go to the cemetery then, and you don't go on the Sabbath. And so when do the women show up? At the first possible opportunity. Right at first light on Sunday morning, they are there. And they are there, not like they should have been there. What they should have been there to do was to just stand there and watch. And just wait. And if the soldiers... If the soldiers ask them, what are you doing here? They could have said, you'll see. <laughs> Just a minute. It's about to happen, right? Uh, but that's not why they were there. They were there to mourn. Because they had, even though they had seen Jesus raise other people from the dead, no one ever heard of a man refusing to attend his own funeral. Amen? This guy was dead. They watched him die. These, these women all stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus breathe his last and say, it is finished. They knew he was dead. They had possibly helped Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus lay him in the tomb and wrap him in the, in the grave clothes. They knew he was dead and so they were there to mourn their friend and the one whom they believed to be the Messiah. They had experienced the earthquake and the darkness and the proclamation of the centurion and all of that on Friday afternoon. And all of that was very confusing and painful. But they believed that Jesus was dead because he had really died. But come Sunday morning, when they get to the tomb, what happens? There's an earthquake. And then there is a dazzling appearance And the angel, he appears. I love this detail. The soldiers were petrified and stood like dead men. I think it was kind of like this. They saw the angel and they went, <laughs> okay, well, they just can't, I mean, like, you know, all the wires in their brain just fused and they can't, they can't compute what they are seeing. And they stand there watching this. And the angel rolls back the stone. By the way, uh, young people, why did Jesus, I mean, why did the angel roll back the stone? I'll give you a hint. It was not to let Jesus out. <laughs> Jesus was already out. It was to let the, these women in where they could see that his body was not and he sits on the rock. Now, this must have been an impressive sight. I don't know what an angel looks like. Amen? We get some descriptions from the scriptures that are fearsome and kind of terrifying. And they must be because whenever you see an angel appear to anyone in the New Testament, what are the, what are the words that he says first? Do not be afraid. <laughs> right? Because... Apparently, when an angel of God, one of the fearsome representatives of his holy presence, shows up, you need to be reassured, not to be afraid. These guys are some bad mamajamas, you hear me? And, and, and when they show up, you need to hear, don't be afraid. And, 
And, so, and, he, and then he says this. He says, I know you're looking for Jesus. And he's not here. Because he's risen. As he said. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, hey, remember all those times that he told you that, that the Son of Man would be like, would, would give you the sign of Jonah, that just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the belly of the earth and then be raised from the dead? Remember when he's told you on the way to Jerusalem that the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and he will be crucified and killed and then rise from the grave? Remember all those times when I told you that when he told you that and you went, I don't know what he's talking about. This is what he was talking about. This is it. This is it. And they are shocked. And a little bit afraid. In fact, the, the text says that apparently they, they respond to the angel's invitation. They look in, they see the tomb is empty. And they start going to do what the angel had told them to do, which is to go and announce that Jesus is risen from the grave. And while they're going, rejoicing and still kind of afraid because they saw an angel, and it's kind of terrifying, um, they, as they're rejoicing and going, who do they meet? Jesus himself. The last person they expected to see on Sunday morning is there. And he is with them. And what does he say? I think it's interesting. He says, greetings. Hello. And he's not a ghost. He's not a hallucination. How do we know? Because they're able to take hold of him. They grasp his feet and they worship him. I had hallucinations one time when I was a kid. My fever got really high and there were these giant pink eyeballs with fangs that came through the wall from the bathroom. And then I went in the bathroom and they followed me, right? <laughs> and I ran screaming upstairs uh, to my parents' bedroom explaining all about these terrifying things that are lurking in our hallway and in our bathroom and in my bedroom, right? And then my dad set me down and he wrapped his arm around me and he's like, no, there's no, there's no fanged uh, pink bubbles coming through the walls here, you know. Um, I was terrified, right? And he began to show me, you're seeing things because your fever is high, bud. And, um, and one thing about hallucinations, you can't take hold of them. You can't grab them. Why not? Because they're not real. They don't exist in reality. But Jesus, risen from the grave, exists in reality. And they're able to take hold of him and worship him. Can you imagine how excited they must have been? The, the last person they expected to see alive and, and out of the grave was this person, and he is with Right then. He who was dead has conquered death and the king himself has come and showed himself to you. It's an amazing thing. 
And he does the same thing the angel does. Do you notice that? He commissions them to go and tell the other disciples. But even though these things are true, and even though they happen just like the text records, not everyone is excited about the news. In fact, going back to the first day of Jesus' first resurrection appearance, there have been those who longed to devise some alternative explanation for the empty tomb and the living Savior who walked out of it. And so these, these soldiers go to the chief priests, and after enough money changes hands, they come up with a story together. That Now th think of this if this makes any sense whatsoever. While we were asleep, we saw Jesus' disciples come and steal the body. Okay. <laughs> um, now think about that. Um, if your kid came to you and said, well, while I was asleep, I saw my brother break into the cookie jar. And I know he took that cookie out of there. What would you think? At that point, you would think, well, I've just located the perp, right? <laughs> because while you were asleep, you're not aware of anything, right? Uh, that's, and, and so this story is unbelievable. But for those with sufficient motivated reasoning, it's the one that they go with. Now, here's something you need to understand. I don't know where everybody here today stands in relationship to Jesus and what's your faith in him is or isn't. But here's what I do know for sure that you can press on the evidence for Jesus' resurrection very hard. And one of the things uh, that it will show you is that is that first of all, in the ancient world, and all the gospels testify of this, that the that the first witnesses to Jesus' resurrection were all women. Now in in the court system of this time, a woman could not testify in court and have her testimony be counted as reliable. And yet the Gospels all record that Jesus first appeared to the women who followed him and who were present at his crucifixion. Why would the Gospels record that? Unless that's the way it happened. On top of that, uh, all of Jesus' 11 apostles, except Judas, the one who betrayed him, he was the 12th. But the other 11 apostles who followed him all the way, all were persecuted and in all but John's case, murdered. They tried to murder him, uh, tried to boil him in oil and were unsuccessful in doing that. Um, but all of his other disciples were martyred because they refused to renounce the idea that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Now, if you literally did break in and steal Jesus' body, then one thing you know for sure that Jesus is still dead, right? And you are unwilling to suffer and die for, proclaim, for, for proclaiming that which you know to be false. But Jesus' disciples all suffered persecution and death because they knew it was true. They saw the resurrected 
Messiah. They knew it was true. Jesus appears to his disciples, in fact, more than once. He appears not just to these women. He appears a total of ten times. Uh, the Gospels record uh, ten different times. John seems to indicate at the end of his Gospel that there were many others as well, but there are ten that are recorded. And this chapter includes just two of them, his appearance to the women on the, uh, on the first day, and then his later, much later appearance on a mountain in Galilee, which probably is the same one that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 15 as the one where Jesus appeared to his 11 apostles as well as over 500 other people. That's this one here. And it is a fact that Jesus is not dead, but he rose. And, and since it is a fact that Jesus is not dead, but rose, then what he taught about himself is true, that he is the victor over sin and its consequences of death and hell. And that reality changes everything else in life. In fact, it changes everything else in history because if Jesus is raised from the dead, and he is, then that is the most important event in the history of the world. And it is absolutely true. And if, and it's true, that Jesus is raised from the dead, then there is no fear that anything in life can touch you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You can live your life fearless of absolutely anything that might come your way. In fact, the Scripture itself says that neither life nor death, nor Satan, nor demons, nor the present, nor the past, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. How do we know? Because if death couldn't keep Jesus dead, then that means Jesus has conquered all of these things. And His promise to you is good. In fact, it is as gold-plated as they come. Jesus' promise is true. And we who are Christians can live absolutely fearlessly of whatever comes our way because all of our worst fears have already been conquered by Jesus in His death and resurrection. Amen? Feel free to shout hallelujah if you want. It's really okay. <laughs> okay? Because this is exciting stuff. That just what, that what the angel told the women is true. Don't be afraid. What Jesus told the women is true. Don't be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of anything. What's the worst thing that happened to me? The worst I can think of is I'd get, get bone cancer and die. Because that's a sorry way to go out. It really is. It's rough. It takes a long time to kill you, and it, and it hurts while it does. But guess who's waiting on me on the other side? The victor over death. The victor over death. And I will not die, by the way. Not the way an unbeliever does. 
I'll take my last breath here. And a nanosecond later, I'll open my eyes in the presence of the Savior. Jesus is the victor over death. And He sovereignly is sending you, sending you and me. Me too. Don't leave me out. But He's sending you to make disciples. Look at what the text says here, verses 16 to 20. This paragraph is usually called the Great Commission because of verses 18 to 20. And I want to look at those verses in a minute. But because it's familiar, we might miss some of the things that are in it. We might miss some of what it says. It says, first of all, that Jesus kept his promise to meet the disciples in Galilee. Remember what the angel said? He's going ahead of you to Galilee. Meet him there. Jesus shows up. I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. Meet me there. And he meets them on a mountain. Now, very possibly, this is my thought. The scripture doesn't tell us directly here in the text. But it's probably, I think, the same mountain where he was earlier transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John. It's not the mountain of ascension. Uh, that's the Mount of Olives. This is in Galilee. This is to the north of that. So this is not Jesus' final uh, appearance to his disciples that Acts records. Uh, this is another one. Uh, but regardless, even as he appears before them in glory resurrected, even as he kept his promise to meet them there, they all show up at the mountain and Jesus shows up too, and they are gathered together in worship. You see what the text says? But some doubted. But some doubted. I think that's amazing. Don't you? Like I know a lot of people think, well, if I could just see the resurrected Jesus, well, then I would have no problems believing. Right? But what the text here tells us is that there were among the people who saw Jesus resurrected, some who doubted. Is this really happening? Is this really happening? Is this really true? And I want to talk about that for just a second. Because some of you sitting here this morning might be experiencing that same kind of thing. That you've gathered here with your brothers and sisters to worship Jesus. Amen? That's why we're here. We're here to worship Jesus. And you've gathered with your brothers and sisters to do that. And, and you have heard that He is the risen Savior, the, the death conqueror, the King of kings, the only begotten Son of God who gave His life and was raised from the dead for you. And you've heard that. And there's a part of you that believes that. There's a part of you that in the back of your mind has some, some just little niggling doubts. Is this really true? Did, this, did these things really happen like the Bible says? And what I want to reassure you is of two things. First of all, that the resurrection of the Son of God is one of the best historically attested events in all of history. And because of that, you can press on the evidence for Jesus' resurrection really hard, and it will hold up. It will hold up. 
to investigation. In fact, just about every skeptic who tries to go out and disprove the resurrection of Jesus, it's kind of a kind of a famous challenge that people sometimes take up. Uh, just about everyone who digs into it in a serious way winds up coming to faith in Jesus. Because they realize that you can press on this stuff really hard and it turns out and holds up. And so if you are sitting here today and or you're joining me online for worship here on this Easter Sunday and you are one of these that have some doubts, be aware that we would love, and I mean love, the privilege of helping you overcome your doubts and understand the truth that Jesus is the risen Son of God, the death conqueror, the King of Kings, the only Savior. And I would, would count it a, an enormous privilege to be able to sit down with you and go through these things with you and talk through with you and reassure you that this is really all true. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a story. This isn't Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This is God's truth for us. And it is life transforming. And let me also say this, because Jesus is, He is who He claimed to be. And because He proved it by His resurrection, we not only live fearless of the past and the future and everything else the world might throw our way, we also have a calling to submit to and to carry out. And by the way, it's the same one the women got. I don't know if you noticed that parallel that's here. Jesus tells the women, go and tell my followers to meet me. I'm going ahead of them. I'll meet them at the mountain. Guess what? When Jesus left this earth in a visible way, ascended into heaven, Acts chapter 1 records uh, the account of this. And when it occurred, he said the, there was an angel that followed, and he said to all the disciples who were standing there like the soldiers. Uh, men of Galilee, why do you stand there staring up into the sky? This same Jesus whom you saw depart in this way will come back just as he went. And in other words, what the Scripture tells us consistently is that Jesus one day will return to the mountain, to the Mount of Olives, and he will stand on it and it will split open in half and one part going to the north, and one part going to the south, and Jesus will return to rule and reign on this earth. And in between, now and then, we are to do what the women did, to go and tell other people that Jesus is alive. To make disciples of all nations, to, as we celebrated a couple weeks ago, baptizing them, which is the public profession that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and that you have laid your life down before His feet and you have therefore been buried with Him in His death and raised to new life in His resurrection. And then teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. In other words, that there is a new life that you enter into through faith in Jesus and you live that out. And that we as people are called to walk alongside people and show them by the way we live how to live this life that is pleasing to Jesus. To make disciples. And we have a calling. 
to do that. Until Jesus comes to the mountain and meets us. Amen? Or until we die, whichever comes first. Just like Jesus commissioned the women who first witnessed his resurrection to gather his disciples and to proclaim and to prepare them to meet him, he is sending you and he is sending me into the world to be his witnesses and proclaim his resurrection from the dead. And know this in the meantime, that because Jesus is risen, he is also eternally present. I love verse 20. In fact, I think it might be my favorite verse in the whole passage. It says, do you see it? And behold, I am with you always. The, the text literally reads in the um, Greek that it was originally written in, it reads this way. I'm with you all days, every day. How about on the day that my mother died? Was Jesus with me then? Right? But yeah, now my mother's alive. But 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 on but if the, if you're on the day that your mother dies, is Jesus with you? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day that you sit in the oncologist's office and he gives you that news that you do not want to hear? Yes. Is Jesus with you when you sit in your OBGYN's office, and they say to you, I'm very sorry, you've lost the baby. Is Jesus with you then? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day that you failed the class? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day that your spouse walks out the door never to return? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day that your child proclaims, I hate you and I never want to see you again? Yes. Is Jesus with you on your wedding day? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day your child is born? Yes. Is Jesus with you on the day when you renew your vows? Yes. Is Jesus with you on every single solitary day between now and glory? Yes. Jesus is with you every single day. And because He is with you every single day, He empowers and equips and enables everything that He asks us to do. He is walking right alongside us as we make disciples, as we go through pain and suffering and rejoicing and happiness. All of it together, we make disciples. Until the day that Jesus comes again to the mountain. Now let's pray. And let's celebrate. And let's rejoice in the salvation we have. As we celebrate the Lord's table. Father we pray. In celebration. Of the fact that Jesus is not only alive. But he's given us a job. And we pray Father that by your Holy Spirit, that we might be thoroughly equipped to carry it out, to go into all the world, to every tribe, every nation, every people group, every language, and proclaim this fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead to give us new life 
And there is a new life to live. If you, and the way you live it is by following what Jesus has commanded. God, our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all you've done. All you've done for us in Jesus, all you continue to do for us in every single day until glory comes. And Father, we pray we might be faithful, that we might be men and women and boys and girls like Caleb, who when he was an old man said, give me the hill country with the giants. Let me go where it's hard. Let me serve the Lord where it's difficult until the last day comes. Let me keep swinging. And Father, that is my prayer for us this morning, that we would keep swinging until Jesus meets us at the mountain once more. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.